The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Welcome. This is Carol Bossert. You're listening to Museum Life. Thank you for joining me today. Today I have a very, very special and dear uh, guest. Uh, She is one of the uh, shining stars of our profession and uh, also in the international museum scene. One of the things that I have learned from doing this show now for over two years is that uh, the museum world is a global world. It is we are truly connected by our love of culture and museums and supporting our communities. I had the distinct pleasure and honor of meeting our guest today, Sylvia Singer, when I participated in a uh, program with the American Alliance of Museums in Mexico City. Sylvia opened uh, not only her her office, but her home to me, and it uh, her hospitality has continued to be one of my fondest professional memories. So um, I many of you know uh, that Sylvia is the designer and development developer of MIDI, one of the most fabulous museums in Mexico City. It's the Interactive Museum of Economics. Uh, Sylvia has also served on the AAM board, the Aztec board, as well as other international honors. She has a great deal uh, to share with us today, both as a museum uh, developer, a museum director, and also someone who is uh, truly moving museums internationally. So, Sylvia, welcome to the show today. Well, thank you very much, uh, Carol. It's a real honor to be with you today in your most interesting program. Thank you for taking the time of talking uh, with me and sharing a little of what is our experience um, from the perspective of Mexico and also the global perspective. Thank you very much. 
Uh, wonderful. Well, Sylvia, I did uh, say just a few words about your career, uh, but it is a truly a distinguished career. And I'm wondering, uh, as with all of my guests, I always ask them to express in their own words their career trajectory and particularly those events or experiences that have really shaped uh, their thinking about museums. Thank you very much. Um, well, yes, you know, uh, living the life of a museum professional is probably one of the most exciting things a person can do. And uh, um, I'm, I feel a little bad about saying this because I, I hope not many will come and compete. <laughs> no, museums need a lot of, of enthusiastic people and knowledgeable people to carry out their missions. Um, museums are such beautiful institutions that open their doors to everybody, um, regardless of your origin, your background, your understanding of the world, your own beliefs. Museums are the same for everybody. So that's why I like them so much. And uh, the tools museums use to communicate their various and so diverse topics are also so comprehensive, but they can talk almost in any uh, language, and uh, by language I mean way of communicating, you know, audiovisual, listening, reading, feeling, um, communicating, discussing, and uh, I'm, I'm saying all of these because this is exactly what has uh, uh, this, this passion and this uh, view of museums is exactly what has driven my career. I started as a biologist many, many years ago, and I studied uh, ecology. And I was always interested in science communication because I have, I had, and I still have, this absolute belief that if we understand the world that surrounds us, we can live better lives. We can live in peace. We can communicate with others. And um, understanding life... At the very beginning, for me, it was understanding how the world works. So science communication is a fundamental tool, to, not just to, to understand how it works, but to leave the realm of magic and uh, awe to, to what nature is providing us with. Uh, nature is strong enough to provide us with all sorts of wonder and surprise. And I think that the more we know about uh, the science of how the world works, more surprises we're capable of finding and more interesting things. So I started as a science communicator. I started developing um, programs, writings, radio programs, um, write-ups for little videos at that time. And suddenly I discovered the world of exhibitions. And I discovered that the materialization, the, the, the possibility of bringing all these ideas into a 3D thing was so powerful in, um, in, 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 in terms of your feelings and, and, and the way you predispose the audience to see something new to understand something new. So I was absolutely hooked by museums, and I started as a conceptual designer of uh, interactive exhibitions, exhibitions for science museums, science centers, and natural history museums. 
So that was the beginning of my career. I, I was part of the team who implemented the first uh, children's museum in Mexico, Papalote. And over there, I had the opportunity to, uh, to do one of my most cherished designs. It's a um, 40-something feet tall tree that you can climb. Um, that was really innovational at the time being with no computers, no buttons. When, when computers and buttons were fashionable, it was all about your senses and climbing and discovering the tropical rainforest through sounds and through your sight. After that, I've played many roles in the museum world. Um, I've done exhibitions for many museums in Mexico and abroad. I've been the director of the science museums that belong to the National University for several years. And for the last 15 years, um, I've been the leader of the creation of this interactive museum about economics, which is the first one in the world. And we had to come up with a way of communicating something that people consider so dry and strange as economy or finances. And, you know, probably uh, for part of your audience in the U.S., um, this is, well, we do know about finances and economy, and we know that we need to handle our money on one way or the other. But in countries like mine, uh, when we started the project, we discovered a lot of things, like uh, people had and probably still have um, negative ideas around money. So instead of thinking of money as a mean of exchange and a way of fulfilling, exchanging our work for that media, medium that is going to allow you to fulfill your needs, it is considered something bad that corrupts people, that is only for the rich and the poor do not have. So imagine the amount of preconceptions we had to fight, understand, take into account before thinking how to solve this. It has been probably the most important um, professional opportunity of my life, and this has really pushed me to think forward and to try to understand how to communicate from the museum to a wide variety of people. So in very few words, this is what has been my walkthrough. And uh, I can talk to you a little later if you want, and, and I think it's important about all these international opportunities that I've had. Because I am convinced, and I think we share these, that the museum world is one, and that regardless where we are and what kind of museum we are, we all face very similar challenges, but we also face very similar opportunities. So sharing with colleagues all over the world has been a wonderful adventure. Yes, uh, I agree with you completely, and I do want to get into uh, some of your international uh, experience. Uh, about 20% of the listening audience of Museum Life, I am pleased to report, uh, uh, do uh, listen uh, from outside of the of Europe and uh, the United uh, and North America. I'm increasing uh, uh, listenership throughout Central and South America and throughout Southeast Asia. And I do agree with you. There are are uh, 
indistinct challenges in countries, but there is uh, this shared uh, belief in the power of cultural institutions to change people's lives. And you clearly have done that with your your work uh, at MIDI. Uh, And I'm wondering if you would uh, just share with uh, some of the listeners who have not had an opportunity to visit yet uh, some of the experiences and how you actually have uh, taken something that can be dry or uh, in in Mexico's case, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, of a a concern uh, that money and uh, finance is a negative thing and turned it into something that is accessible for so many people. Yes, uh, um, with pleasure. You know, this this brings me back a little to science communication. You know, when you, I, I always say you, you can only do things the way you know how to do them, and you can learn uh, on the road, but you start where you are. And um, the point is that I knew how to design science, engaging, interesting science exhibits or natural history exhibits. And using that same technology, which, or methodology more than technology, which, in fact, has certain rules that are very important. As a science communicator, and we have embraced this challenge because economy is also a science. Um, as a science communicator, it's important that you take into account the true facts. But even though you are kind of a bridge between the expert and the audience, you have to translate the concepts without betraying their meaning, without uh, uh, being uh, seduced by the easy words or the funny um, phrases, but in the, in, 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 in the process to betray the real meaning of your, what you want to say. So the trick is very complicated. How do you explain something that is complex in very lay, in lay words to any person without betraying the content? And, you know, uh, it's like the expression that says, sorry that I wrote you a letter with 10 pages because I had no time to write half a page. Well, that's exactly what happens when you design uh, uh, difficult topics. It was not the first time I was facing a difficult topics. There are many difficult topics in science. And what you have to do and what we did is use a methodology in which you start by understanding what is your potential audience thinking about the topic. Because we all know we, we know about everything. So we, before even taking our pencil to start designing the museum, we carried out four different audience uh, studies. And these studies told us a lot about preconceptions, misconceptions, things that people thought they knew, but in fact they didn't, and uh, how they visualize the signs of economy in general terms. With these information from the potential audiences and the research was carried out in different kinds of museums, in plazas, in schools, uh, really into in, in different cities of the country and with different group ages, we had a panorama of what could be the impression of visitors coming into our museum. The following step was obviously being uh, discussing and working with our advisors, which are the main topics about economy and finance that people need to know. So the 
the academy, the academicians, had like the textbook, the index of the textbook. But a museum should never be a 3D textbook because that's a museum that was correct 200 years ago, but definitely not now. So how do we put all of these together? The next step is sit without the advisors, and with all respect, it's important to sit without them for a while, and try to wear the shoes of the different kinds of visitors. Because, you know, we and I personally do not believe that there is such a thing as a general audience. I think that we have different audiences, and each one has its own characteristics. So we sit together as designers, we, we, we wear the different shoes, we have this magnificent building, which is an 18th century monastery fabulously restored by the Mexican Central Bank. And we start thinking, okay, if somebody comes to the museum and starts walking the corridors and the beautiful courtyards, what is the kind of experience we envision they should have? How would we introduce them to all these topics that the advisors have explained to us? And in that way, we use the methodology for design that we call the visitor experience. And we try to visualize how the visitor is going to encounter the different topics. Then we analyze the layout of the museum as if it trying to make out of it uh, something like a very good movie, which is very difficult, you know. There are very few good movies. And what is what makes a good movie? Well, rhythm. So you have moments of in, intense moments of emotion, then some moments of calm. So how are we distribute the different experiences and the different topics in such a way that the walkthrough can be emotionally charged, important, interesting, that will awake wonder, and that will, in fact, open people's eyes and feelings about the topic. And then comes a very strong problem. So up to here, fun, discussions. As a designer, you have the best time in your life. And then one good moment, the director says, well, okay, stop, stop uh, dreaming. We're going to start designing. <laughs> <laughs> and then it comes a very difficult challenge of envisioning each exhibition, each exhibit and each exhibition in the museum in such a way that it's really engaging. So we needed to come with some general ideas, which for us are like transversal um, threads that go along the museum. One of them, and probably the most important, is daily life. So if you ask me, what is your museum all about that is not about economy? I would tell you it is about what happens in people's daily life. And the other transversal thread line is making decisions. You know, uh, we understood and we learned from economists that economy is the science of making decisions. And we make decisions all day long. And many of them are of an economic nature, even though they might not include money. And that was a real surprise for me. So, you know, um, when we started uh, designing, the, our advisors, the economists, mainly said, how come a biologist is going to be the leader of this thing? She doesn't know anything about economy. And I used to reply to them, you know, I'm your living proof that if I understand and I can explain, this is going to work. Because you need to 
start from that point of view. You need to start from the point of view, I know nothing, and I would like to know. So... Making yes, yes, very, yes. very good. Sylvia, so, yeah, I'm yes. going to have to interrupt you here. We are going to have to take a, uh, a break, and when we come back, there's going to be a lot more. I want you to share more about your, uh, your experience because it's just so instructive. So please uh, stay tuned. We will be back in a moment with Sylvia Singer. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Stay tuned. Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content, and at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert with Museum Life, and I'm here today with one of the most 
fabulous uh, museum professionals in um, in the world. In fact, uh, Sylvia Singer, who is the uh, executive director of MIDI, the Interactive Museum of Economics, and before break, uh, Sylvia was sharing with us uh, her perspective and approach to taking something as abstract as economics and uh, making it accessible uh, for visitors. And so, uh, and that was a really instructive uh, sort of how to, you know, sort of unpack the process. Uh, and I think that uh, I, I learned um, quite a few things. Uh, Sylvia, what I'd like to do now is, is uh, have you help us understand a little bit how MIDI fits within uh, the uh, Mexico cities uh, and Mexico's cultural community and some of the things that you specifically are doing to enhance and, and uh, bring, uh, make more um, uh, available and accessible the cultural institutions in Mexico? Yes, thank you very much. I, I, I love this, uh, this topic and, and, uh, um, I, I just want to tell you that based on these ideas that I expressed about making decisions in daily life, what we have really done is developed a very, an, an, a very engaging, uh, uh, an amazingly engaging series of experiences interactive experiences that really put people in the position of understanding that they are part of economy and that they make economic uh, decisions all the time. And uh, even though, as I said, they are not linked, most, uh, some of them, with money, like how you use your time or what kind of thing you would like to study or um, where would you live depending on where you work. And um, this is very interesting because what we have observed and what has happened which is fascinating, is that we have been able to receive um, a, a very special group of visitors. You know, there's a, a paradigm that we are really fighting to break down, uh, very strong in Mexico and strong in many other countries in the world, which is that interactive museums are for children and that are seen as uh, amusement uh, facilities with a little more of intention, you know, a little of education. But the fact is not that because the topic is difficult, but because we're speaking the language of young people here. We're using the technology the young are using in their daily life through computers and phones and, and other devices uh, as, as means of expression, as languages here in the museum. It happens that more than 80% of our visitors range between 15 and 25 years old. And that we have done something that is for some magical and for us the result of our thoughtful work, which is engage them in interesting conversations. So, interesting um, interactives, conversation amongst the visitors, and a group age uh, that is... It's, it's really um, uh, using the museum as an alternative, not just for amusement, but for having a good time together, has put us in a very, in a privileged situation in terms of the museum field in Mexico. I think that we are advancing in many ways the field. We are considered um, a, a, a very important museum, not just because our interactives are all working and they don't break down, which is something interesting I can talk about some other time, linked to design as well. 
And as you can see, I am really mad about design. But uh, mainly because we're convincing our colleagues that you can tackle topics that are social topics, aesthetic topics, historical topics, or science topics in a way that really engages people and makes them participate as protagonists, which is something we all want to do nowadays. And that's why we use Twitter and we participate in Facebook all the time. And we uh, do so many things. We publish in YouTube. We do so many things that make us protagonists. So the museum has done this. And now the museum is an example for others. And we work as an advisor for many museums in the country and a few outside the country because we've been successful doing this. Now, in, 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 in another aspect that I consider very important is that economy and finances is not studied in the Mexican curricula, um, official curricula, unless you're going to become an economist or an accountant. So um, the educational authorities have seen our work as an example and are using many of our materials, and we are producing materials for the formal education, trying to advance education in terms of um, finance and economy in a basic level for the whole country or speaking language people because, you know, these, is, uh, these materials are for free on our website, so anybody that would like to see them in Spanish have direct access to them. So in terms of Mexico, this is what is happening. And I'm very proud to share with you that a week ago, uh, I, I was nominated and I started to work as the president of the Mexican Association of Science and Technology Centers. And I'm saying this at this point, because now, thanks to the group of people that we are um, now uh, at the he heading, the, the, the association, we have the opportunity to uh, promote professional development and bring many of our science centers to be on a better standard, uh, better connected to the world, and using contemporary tools for communicating their own topics, which is also something very important. And um, in terms of Mexico, well, we are very proud of having had the opportunity of being the first museum uh, that uses interactive techniques to talk about economics in the world. Most of what existed before us was numismatics, you know, coin collections and some explanations about how central banks, feds work, but not a comprehensive understanding of how we make decisions. And this year, um, and, and I'm really very proud to share with, uh, this with you, Carol, it's going to be our 10th anniversary open to the public, more than 2 million visitors in a quite small museum. The, the building is huge, you know, and magnificent, but a small museum. I'm very proud to achieve all these goals and mainly very proud of the support we have received from our board members. You know, we have a very um, interesting board uh, headed, uh, and, and the founding member of all of these uh, has been the Mexican Central Bank, who had the vision and had the building and put the money to establish the museum. And then second, by 
the most important banks in the country who have been an important support for our development. Even though we operate as a private museum, which in Mexico has a lot of meanings, because fundraising is different here than in the United States, but we have faced all these challenges with happiness and and uh, thinking that our mission is so important that we have to be successful. So, uh, just to be clear, Sylvia, that means that many of the museums in Mexico are supported, are are primarily supported by the government. Is that correct? Yes, um, it's not mainly. It used to, right now the the statistics have uh, shifted, but we could easily say that probably 60-70% of the museums in Mexico depend on federal or local governments or our university museums. And that probably 30-35% of the museums are now private, which is very interesting because it provides us with possibilities for operations that are totally different. But it does make sense that a, that a big amount uh, belong to the government because most of them are museums that take care of our heritage, and heritage is owned by the country. So it, it does make sense that the public policy that they implement has as a, as a, as a main goal the preservation of our cultural heritage. Yes, uh, no, that, that makes a, a great deal of sense. And so as, as you were talking about, uh, the work with the, um, with the science centers, uh, is there also a, an analogous, uh, organization? Like, uh, you know, you actually have been on the board of the American Alliance of Museums. Uh, is there a sister organization in Mexico? Well, for for museums of all types, like uh, AAM, American Alliance of Museums, uh, Embrace, uh, we do not have a Mexican one, but we do operate through the Mexican arm of the International Council of Museums, ICOM, um, which I had the opportunity to head for a little more than six years some time ago. And, and they do gather all sorts of museums. In terms of science museums, we do have a sister organization to ASTIC, the Association of Science and Technology Centers, which is called, it's got a complicated name in Spanish, AMCIT, which just means the Mexican Association of Science and Technology Centers. And yes, that's the one I'm heading now, and we really hope to push forward the field because, you know, schools in Mexico, uh, just uh, with a very, very few exceptions, do not have uh, comprehensive libraries or comprehensive um, labs, and museums are used in, in, in many ways as support for education. And students flood our exhibit halls with um, using us as labs and experimental places. This happens in the U.S. as well, but it's very important for Mexican education. Well, and I would think, too, that one of the challenges that you are addressing is uh, how to reach out to rural audiences. Uh, so, uh, because 
similarly to what we have in the uh, you know the heartland of of the United States, there are still so many people who are not close to a uh, uh, a museum or perhaps a big city. Uh, but there are a variety of ways that uh, we're reaching out to them uh, electronically or through uh, bu- uh, uh, vans or or all. Um, other other means of addressing their specific needs without uh, having to have them get into cars and, and drive to the city. And I would think that that would be a big focus of your work as well. Yes, you know, for me there are two, two main problems to access a museum. One is that you might think the museum is not for you and that you think that that's such a serious and complicated place, it's not worth visiting. And that's a big challenge for us. We need to present ourselves as permeable spaces where people are absolutely welcome and they need to feel like that. And it's word of mouth, which assures you that if you come to a museum, you will have a good time. That's a big challenge, and that's a, it's a, lot, a big commitment from the part of the, of the museum professionals. And the other one is that we need to be accessible through the new ways of accessing information. There are so many, and they are so handy. We need to be there. Somebody tells me, do you have apps? And I think, you know, we really don't need, uh, I mean, we, we could use a, 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 a media app, but we want to be where all the people are. We want to be in Twitter. We want to be in Facebook. We want to be in the blogs. We want to be in YouTube. We publish our content in iTunes U. So, yes, that's a way of, as you said, bringing people into the museum through different media and you know, the fantastic thing about all these new media is that we can bring people that do not live in our uh, surroundings, which is fantastic, don't you think? So it's so important. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, I think we're going to break uh, here a little early because this is such a perfect segue, uh, you know, talking about uh, digital uh, ways of reaching our audiences. Uh, I, it's not the only way, but I think it's a perfect segue to then uh, talk in the third segment about our connectedness and uh, the, the work that you are doing on the world scene and some of the trends uh, that you are seeing in uh, museums worldwide. And so with your permission, we're going to break right now. And please stay tuned. There is so much more uh, to uh, to share with Sylvia. It is such a pleasure, Sylvia, to have you on the show today. So we will be right back. Uh, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Stay tuned. Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content, and at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. 
We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bosser at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life, and I am here, as you know, with Sylvia Singer, who is the uh, Executive Director of the Interactive Museum of Economics in Mexico City. And right before break, we were talking uh, a little bit about uh, the general framework of Mexico and its its museums. But as Sylvia and I have both said uh, throughout the show, that museums are connected globally, both uh, uh, in their missions and uh, certainly as museum professionals. And one example of that is a conference that was held last uh, fall, Reimagining the Museum Conference of the Americas. It was held in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, uh, Listeners will remember that I have had both Leslie Bedford and Mar Dixon on the show talking about this first ever opportunity for uh, Central and South American museums and North American museums to get together and share perspectives. And Sylvia, obviously you were there as well and were a, a, a strong force in creating uh, at that wonderful uh, experience. Can you share some of your thoughts? thoughts now after the conference is over, your, some of your takeaways? Yes, of course. Um, well, you know, that conference was really peculiar because um, it really um, put together, it, uh, it brought together professionals that were working in a really different way with their own communities. And as, as, as you can remember, some of them uh, were working with small museums. So it is so important to understand that good experiences and and good learning may come from small experiences, that not everything is about the grand museum and the complicated museum. But, you, I, you know, I really think that nowadays the significant experience comes from understanding how society is moving and what are the needs of society. So from that uh, conference, I really bring um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a conclusion that the more you are 
about understanding your audience and the needs of the society where you are immersed, the better job you can do. doesn't matter that you are presenting, let's say, a contemporary art uh, collection or that you are presenting a historical collection. The way you present things has to resonate with the people that are going to come and visit them. Otherwise, it just becomes an intellectual exercise that pleases the designer. But if you really want to touch society, if you really want to have a social role as a museum, doesn't matter what you're showing. That has to be shown in a significant way, in a relevant way to the audience, to the many different audiences. That's why it's not an easy job to do. And that's why you need to work along with many different, as a team, with many different uh, professionals. I am certain, and I say it all the time, that our local success at MIDE comes from the great team that I lead. And because I have colleagues of the best, uh, with the best qualifications and stature working for for all of us, not for me, and that we consider ourselves um, a learning um, a learning community. But uh, coming back to your question, um, if, if you see, uh, there are some important trends that uh, museums are using now, and and there are others that we are not using and we should should consider. Of course, all the digital. Uh, uh, media are very important trends. I, I see them more than as um, equipment, hardware. I see them as means of communication, as new languages. Um, and and uh, this is why it's important that professionals ourselves, we get knowledgeable about digital media. We cannot use that for communication if we don't use them ourselves. So that's my first thing to say and, and very important. Um, but definitely, what once we are using the digital media, what we are in fact doing is promoting social participation because that's the sign of our times. And as I said in, in the previous segment, people want to be protagonists and they want to have a say, probably the last say. So the museum has to step down from the authority um, ladder and give the word to the, to the visitor, allow them to participate, to leave their opinion, be brave enough to embrace controversy, and let people talk and let people listen to themselves and, and have conversations. And then this leads me immediately to what probably we are missing because we are so enchanted by the digital media, which is communicate person to person. I think that many of the museums that were participating at the Reimagining the Museum Conference were using person-to-person -person techniques, and these are interesting techniques that we need to recapture, rediscover in the museum, and use them not in a simplistic way, but in an interesting, challenging, engaging way. Um, you know, the hands-on uh, approach uh, that has been converted into the hands into the button on <laughs> has to come back to hands and minds on people with people. Let's get engaged. Let's have conversations. And the other thing that, that for me was so important, and this is something that is in my working philosophy all the time, and I 
this is a, a metaphor that I use frequently when I, I speak about museums, is that independently of the, 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 the tools you use, the museum is always playing a dual role. And this is a meta, here comes a metaphor. The, the, the museum works very much as a window and, uh, and a mirror. So most of the time, if the exhibition is displayed in a correct way, if the curator has done a good job and the museum designer has done a good job, you can see yourself in the exhibition. You can reflect yourself in that mirror. And through that mirror, try to discover things you haven't seen before. Try to see yourself in a different way and understand you, your surroundings, your family, your, your own situation. But the beautiful thing is that we're not just mirrors. We're also windows. that allows us to look into different realities, realities we don't live every day, realities that are lived by other people in other places or under different circumstances from yours. And that is, for me, the combination of the mirror and the window or the mirror, yes, the mirror and the window is the most important thing because it opens the door to an inclusive world, a tolerant world, a world of peace. I think that ultimately what we're looking is for well-being and for peace. And I think that museums are wonderful segues to these things. I think that museums can really contribute to build up these kind of situations. If we are honest and we uh, admit controversy and we admit our audience's opinions. That is a fabulous uh, metaphor, uh, Sylvia. And I have heard uh, people talk about museums as windows. I've heard people talk about museums as mirrors that, you know, exhibits need to all, people always need to see themselves in the exhibit. But I've never really put the two together that there is permission to have museums be a part that they do, you know, people see themselves or they, they can answer their own questions and, and find, uh, if, uh, follow their own quest, but that it is truly equally, uh, important for museums to transform transport you out of yourself to uh, experience different realities and different perspectives. So I am going to really cherish uh, that metaphor and use it. Uh, I'll probably steal it from you, but I will attribute it to you, I promise. Uh, that, that's, that's really fabulous. Uh, in the, you know, we have uh, a few, well, we have some, we have time left. Um, I'd love to hear your, perspe- your, your thoughts, perspectives on some of the other trends or some of the other experiences you've had sort of on the international scene of which you are a major player? Well, thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I, it comes to my mind immediately that uh, um, a, a very interesting trend right now is to embrace things that are urgent for the planet. Um, and uh, there, you know, there, there's been some uh, important efforts in calling attention, the attention of society into important issues like the sustainability issues, 
which 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 involve everything. Um, the UN has just published 17 strategies to get to sustainable so- societies by 2030 in 15 years' time. And honestly, I think that museums have to. One one important trend is, is that we not just uh, fulfill the academic uh, need to understand the past in order to foresee the future, to be, um, uh, 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 to be communicators of uh, content, but also to be able to draft the future together. And this is a trend. I think that the best museums, all sorts of museums, are really embracing the topics that are important, hot, today. And that by these uh, means, they are opening people's minds into new realities. You know, um, uh, there's another thought that is uh, for some people in some way uh, challenging and even for some not admissible. And I love to say it as as, as a provocateur, which is museums, we teach nothing. We teach nothing. Let's say we teach nothing. All what we do is open the interest about something new. Because what can you learn in one hour, in an hour and a half visit to a place? But you definitely can bring home a new good idea that you didn't have before. So that is a challenge and a trend. And I think that many museums are working towards these and organizing their exhibitions towards new ideas that can really help change the world. And uh, this is a a, a fantastic uh, trend that I see. I, I think that digital is now an obligation, but there are things that are challenging and that we museum directors need to be brave enough to convince our boards to convince our constituents and do this as part of our work. Sylvia, that's wonderful. You know, as you were just talking about that, it reminds me so much of a colleague of ours, uh, Leslie Bedford, uh, who, of course, you know, you know her very, very well. And she always talks about uh, the importance of museums, uh, uh, museum exhibitions to create the sense of of what if, what if this happens, what if I'm in that environment. And, you know, that does, I remember when I first read her book, oh, I, I guess about a year and a half ago, it really, uh, as an exhibit designer myself, uh, it really made a significant impact on my uh, uh, on my practice uh, to stop. Uh, uh, well, I guess policing myself so that I that I'm not necessarily always looking at the learning objectives as you know you have to know this fact or you have to know this thing. But what is what is the the way that I can create something for people to be curious about and say what if this happens? And it sounds as if you're doing similar things in MIDI and uh, sort of espousing that to the uh, museum community at large. You know, I couldn't agree more with you. And in fact, of course, that we have our learning uh, 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 targets, and we need to have very clear what are going to uh, be the takeaways of our visitors. But what is really very important is to understand that we are spaces that can embrace more freedom than what you have to do in a classroom, which is absolutely respectful, but belongs to the classroom. And uh, and the what if, 
which I absolutely share, is, is the most important thing. I need to wear different shoes. I need to see that I can change my reality. Museums empower people, and I think that is very important. And, of course, in order to make all of this possible, we need to build a profound respect for our audiences even to understand that some of the topics we present might not be admissible or respectful for their own beliefs, so we need to do it in a way they can even decide if they want to be in touch or not with certain contents, etc. I think that the respect for, for, for the audience is something, it's another element, key element in the, in the big formula of the success of a museum. I am so glad you brought that up, uh, Sylvia. Uh, and this is a wonderful way to sort of, you know, wrap up our program. Uh, it is a, a theme actually that has, has run through so many of, uh, my discussions with, uh, uh distinguished museum professionals and, uh, even those from, from the outside of our, our little world is that we, we can forget. Uh, that it is true respect and empathy for our community and for the visitors who are coming and the visitors that may come. And it gets back to what you were saying before, that human-human interact interaction. We have about um, 30 seconds, so this is the lightning round. What is the one piece of advice that you would give emerging museum professionals? Love your job, enjoy your love, your job, and have a lot of fun, and the result will be very good. <laughs> that's that's fabulous. That's fabulous advice. I, I, uh, you know, I as I've said on the show before, there's never enough money. There's never enough time. Exactly. Uh, and, <laughs> And we just have to uh, you know, work within uh, work within our realities, but not let them constrain us. Sylvia, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show, uh, and and again being just so honored that you took your time out of your busy schedule, and also uh, so thrilled that you are out there making you know touching so many lives. Uh, uh, in in the region, in Mexico, uh, in uh, in the world, uh, I think together we can all make a make our move our museums to a level that we've that they've never attained before. So thank you, thank you, uh, really, Carol. Thank you so much for this interview, but thank you also for being part uh, such an important part and and driving force of our field because we need. To be together, we need to share, we need to learn. That's what you uh, enable us to do. Thank you very much. Well, that's very kind, Sylvia. And with that, uh, we'll close the show. Remember, you can always reach me at carol.bossert at verizon.net or uh, chat with me on Twitter at, at MuseWrite. I love to hear your thoughts, uh, your uh, your suggestions for new, uh, new guests. And, of course, if I can help you in any way uh, to uh, realize your potential as a, as a museum professional or as a museum in working with your community, I would adore to help you do that. So please contact me. And until next week, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.